Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. We are going to talk about how God has a big plan, how he's an amazing planner, and how that applies to our lives. But when it comes to plans, all of us fall into usually one of two camps. You've got your planners and your procrastinators and you know who you are. In case there was any doubt, let me give you some signs that you might fall into the uh, obsessive planner camp. This is what a planner does. You set five alarms in the morning just in case you manage to miss one. As if, and you also set your clock 10 minutes ahead just so you have a buffer because you are a planner. You'll know you're a planner because you take full advantage of the reminder app on your phone. And you would have a heart attack if you accidentally overbooked or double booked. How could that ever happen? Because you are a planner. And of course, we're on the the tail end season of a month full of plans. How many of you had plans this month? Like there was dinner plans and grocery plans and shopping plans, 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 plans. And if you are a planner, you're feeling probably two things, a little bit exhausted and just super satisfied because of you, it was yet another successful holiday month and you're welcome, people. Of course, there are procrastinators whose mantra is, I work best under pressure and if I wait until tomorrow, there'll be tons of pressure, right? I get it. You loved working under that deadline-induced panic, right? That's when my creative juices flow when I'm under the gun, and you love the endless all-nighters and the Red Bulls, and I get it. You are a procrastinator. But no matter what camp you fall into, all of us, whether we make our plans with detailed lists or we put them off until another day, all of us especially now that we've had a chance to digest all that turkey and cheesecake, I'm starting to think about the new year and what the plans are. And maybe you're here and you're like, 2020, bring it on, girl, bring it on. This is the year you're getting married or you're having a baby or your house is, the kitchen renovation is finally gonna be finished or you're a student and you paid off your student loans and you landed the dream job and you're like, oh, 2020 is just gonna be amazing. Or maybe you're here and you've just come out of a really tough year and 2019 was a bummer in lots of ways. Maybe you didn't get the dream job. Maybe you got downsized. Maybe it's been a year of health setbacks and You got poked and prodded and they still can't figure out what the problem is. Maybe this was a year when the great relationship, it it didn't happen. 
or you're in a relationship and it's starting to feel like the last relationship that failed and you're wondering, does it ever work out? Do the plans ever come together? Come on. Or maybe you lost someone. Maybe uh, you're, you're on the cusp of this new year and you're thinking, how can I go into a new year without that person by my side? What does the new year hold? And sometimes, if we're people of faith, more than just in word, more than just the box Christian that we, we check off, but God is really important in our lives, there's a whole faith dynamic that, that, that gets knitted into this thing about our plans. Because if you're following him, you want God's input on your plans, right? And maybe you've got a big decision in front of you this year and you really need to know, God, is that the way you want me to go? But it feels very silent. Or maybe you were told that, you know, if I follow the religious formula, A, B, C, and D, it will all work out. It will all work out. I've heard that so many times. And yet, it didn't work out and you're feeling a bit frustrated and almost hesitant, like, do I go into this new year because it's probably gonna go bust again? Can I really trust God? And then there's some of us where this year was a year of bad decisions and you feel ashamed and you think, I've botched so badly. I don't even know if God would even want to have a plan for me. I've got something to say to all of us, every one of those scenarios that I've given you this morning. Number one, you are loved by your heavenly father. And he has a meticulous, detailed plan for your life. And he wants you walking in his plan more than you do. And he's going to do everything possible to help you keep in that plan. He knows how to bring a plan together. You're not too much for him. He's got a plan for your life. And so I want to give you a couple of examples to show you how God is a master at planning and then make some application and then I'm going to send you on your way. All right? Number one, God is a master planner and it shows up in his creation plan. If you're familiar with the Old Testament part of your Bible, there's a book called Isaiah. And Isaiah, he writes this passage and he's, he's absolutely dumbfounded at the magnificent of how God can put a plan together like creation. Look what he says. Who has scooped up the ocean in his two hands? or measured the sky between his thumb and little finger? Who has put all the earth's dirt in one of his baskets, weighed each mountain and hill? Why, the nations are but a drop in a bucket. Watch him sweep up the islands like so much dust off the floor. He stretches out the skies like a canvas, yes, like a tent canvas to live under. Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls each by name, so magnificent, so powerful, and never overlooks a single one. <laughs> Let me give you some context for this. Because Isaiah tells us that God is very good at putting a plan together and creation shows it. The earth weighs more than six sextillion metric tons Yet he says that God holds, he can pick up an island as if though it was just a piece of dust. 
The oceans of our world contain more than 340 quintillion gallons of water. And I, I know I should have translated that into the metric system, but I did, and the number was so big, I didn't know how to read it. I didn't, it's just, just to suffice to say, there's a lot of water. Yet, God excavates an ocean with his hand and holds the water right there. Think of the galaxies. Scientists tell us that there are over a hundred billion galaxies and each one contains over 100 billion stars. Yet for such dumbfounding math, God has an attendance sheet. And you don't think he can take care of you? He is very good when it comes to plans and creation shows it every day. You're gonna go out of this building and be blown away with a vivid screenshot of God's plan because if it's snowing, and I hope it's not, but if it is, did you know that there is not one snowflake that is like the other? God makes everyone unique. I just wish he wouldn't make so many, but nevertheless, even those little snowflakes show that God is a masterful one at plans. And if that weren't enough, look at you. Look at how he put you together. Paul says in Ephesians that you are God's handiwork. The hands of God made you. In Isaiah, again, he likens human creation to a, a lump of clay, which doesn't sound very attractive but put it on the potter's wheel and the master potter, God, he goes at that lump of clay and he begins to squeeze and push and mold and indent and he makes some noses longer than others and he, he starts to fashion that lump of clay and everyone is unique and everyone becomes a jaw-dropping masterpiece because God is very good at putting a human plan together. Look at what the psalmist says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Don't you ever think that you're plain or ordinary? God sees you as a masterpiece, and from conception to death, he has a plan for your life. He wants you walking in that plan. He wants you to be part of this wonderful plan that he has for you. But I think the most incredible example of God as a masterful planner is seen in the incarnation plan. It's really the salvation plan. It begins in the Old Testament where there are over 300 prophecies about the life, death, and resurrection of the main character of this plan, the Messiah. And we're gonna look at all 300 this morning. No, I'm just kidding. We're gonna, we're gonna look at a few. I'm gonna take you back to Genesis because that's the most important part of the plan. The Garden of Eden, let's, let's picture it, let's picture it. It is pungent with that fresh off the line smell. It is dripping with perfection. And Adam and Eve, 
fresh off the lot in this beautiful creation that God made, it's perfect, they sin, they rebel, they disobey, they mess up. And with that one act of rebellion, everything dark and decaying, death, slithered onto our planet. And so now what? The, the big plan God had for creation, for man and woman, it, it, it went bust. So what does he do? Throw it out? Start again? He could have. God had a plan. And 1,500 years before the Messiah is ever born, the very first prophecy is given that mankind would not be left in this sin mess, there would be a savior. Look what, look what is written. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. God is talking to the serpent. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Boy, you know, Satan probably thought that he scored point when Adam and Eve crunched on that fruit but I'm telling you, those words must have sent him slithering back to where he came from because God had a plan. Sin would not be the last word. Mankind, would, there would be a savior come for them. And so at that moment in time, a heavenly incarnation plan is intersected with earthly clocks and day timers. A Messiah was coming. And so the plan is leaked to Adam. And then fast forward, we get to Abraham. He and his family would be pivotal in this plan. Uh, from his family would come a, a great nation. Look what the promise is given. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others, God says to him. And in your seed, not many seed with this word, one seed, shall the nations of the earth be blessed. One of, one of Abraham's descendants would come someone who would bless the entire world. Who is he talking about? Well, if you sneak ahead to the New Testament, to John, look what, look what Jesus says. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Who is Jesus? Jesus was referring to, I'm, I'm the promised seed. Abraham may have given a, a glance of what was going to happen, and Jesus says, I'm it. This was the, the, the incarnation plan was coming to pass, and, and details were being shared, and, and you jump ahead from Abraham to 1000 BC, and the character comes on the scene, David. David is pivotal in this plan because he is told that actually one of his personal descendants will be the savior. No wonder David was prone to dancing from time to time. I'm telling you, this was really good news. And David, in, in his eloquence and how the Holy Spirit used these different writers, in the Psalms, he starts writing about the life, the death, the ministry of the Messiah. If you're ever reading the Psalms and you think, wow, that, that sounds a whole lot like Jesus, you're probably right because the Psalms are just full of Jesus. God was sharing details about the plan. And in particular, Psalm 22, 
1,000 years before the death of Jesus, David in, in vivid detail records that they will pierce my hands and feet. Who is David talking about? Not himself. He's talking about Jesus. He's, he said that they will gamble for my clothes. You would think David was standing at the foot of the cross watching it, but he wasn't. God was giving him details. And if you fast forward again into the New Testament, in Acts, as Peter, who was a first-hand witness of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and he says this, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. David is talking to a group of people who would have been well, or Peter is talking to a group of people who would have been well-versed in Jewish history. They knew what he was referring to. God was showing how he was pulling his plan and having it come to pass. Fast forward from David to Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus showed up on the planet. In Isaiah, he shows us details about uh, who and where the Messiah will be or how he will be born. Uh, Isaiah 7, he's going to be born to a virgin. We'll call him Emmanuel. And Isaiah, like David, shares details, vivid details about the death of the Messiah, how he will bear our sins. That's the reason for the plan in the first place. God was just showing to these prophets details about the plan. And, and I could go on and on, trust me. But I just want to give you a taste of it to show you that God is masterful when he came to the most important plan of all, our salvation plan. And this group of prophets, they didn't get together at the local watering hole and decide, okay, you know, let's sit down and come up with what we think is gonna happen and what do you think God's saying? They were a group of totally unrelated people over a span of centuries with details about people and places and events so specific that only God could have put it together and revealed it to them. God had an incredible incarnation plan. He was putting it together. There was no miscalculated guesswork. Look what Paul writes in Romans 1. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. Jesus was the incarnation plan. And, and God in his omniscient, his all-knowing goodness and generosity put together this plan birthed it and, and leaked it to, to Adam and then shared it with all these prophets. Why? Just to save the nation of Israel? No. The plan was generously for you and me because that sin that Adam and Eve did, they were our first parents and that came on to us. 
We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of, of the mark of that perfection. We all need a savior. That's why God put this perfectly detailed plan together for you and for me that, that we would be saved. So here's my first application. Have you said yes to his incarnation plan? Have you said yes to Jesus? And it's not just, okay, Jan, I, I believe what you're saying. It means in your heart saying, I believe, Jesus, that you came to save me from my sins, that you paid the debt for the sin that I was accountable for but could never pay. You took it all on yourself. I believe it and I receive it. And the moment you do that, you become a child of God. Have you said yes to Jesus? What an incredible way that would be for you to start 2020. If you're listening online and, and the Holy Spirit is just nudging at your heart, say yes to Jesus. What a great way to start this new year. Here's the second application that I think will apply to most of us here. If God went to such loving, sacrificial lengths to save us, can we not surrender to him all the plans of our lives? You may say, but Jan, you know, I, I'm, I'm truly disappointed. I thought God would have lined up my ducks a lot better. I, I don't know if I can trust him when things have gone so bad. Here's the deal. You can either live in frustration or you can choose to trust that if God had a detailed, on-time plan to take care of that which you could never take care of, can we not surrender to him what happened this year, the things we cannot go back and, and fix or redo, can we not surrender that to him and trust him with the uncharted waters of what lies ahead? Because he's a great planner. He has a plan for your life. He's gonna take care of you. There's always gonna be that tension in our lives. If you've said yes to Jesus, there's always gonna be that, that struggle that when things don't work out, that we default to discouragement and despair, or we decide, trust you with this, Jesus. I'm gonna trust you with this. It's how I've learned to live my life. And I had a birthday and I, I, I get to have credence now that I'm almost a senior citizen and I can, I can talk with authority that I've had lots of plans that went bust, just like you, like things that I thought God told me and they were gonna happen and, and it didn't, it just sort of fizzled away. At that moment, and, and I, I'm, very human, many times I just wallowed and, and just spiraled down into dark, dark, dark. But when I quieted all those grumblings, always the Holy Spirit was tenderly coaxing me back to that place of surrender. It's how we gotta live, people. He wanted to deepen my root system and if your roots are at the surface level, when circumstances don't work out, when people mess you up, when you get disgruntled, your faith will get wobbly. 
But if your roots go down deep in Jesus, he's the anchor of our soul, right? He'll hold you steady. And that's always what the Holy Spirit was trying to do in me. Deepen my trust in him. Bring me to yet another place of surrender. And I, and I sense that if the Lord gives me another 40 years, maybe, it's gonna be more and more and more of those same moments of trust and surrender. And maybe that's what he's trying to say to you today. Remember, God calls you his handiwork. And if someone goes to that type of detail in that artistry of that, that thing, what God goes to you, we saw it. Every detail of your life from conception to death is planned. Every page of your life, he knows. You've gotta trust him with those things that didn't work out and, and keep that heart surrendered to him because he's the master planner. He does have the very best plan for your life. God takes great notice when we place our shaky faith in him. And he knows if you had a tough year and to trust is gonna be a real struggle but his word is still true. He is still a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the moment you, you place even a wobbly faith in him, I'm telling you, he just comes a running just like any father would do with a child that is struggling. He wants you walking in his plans more than you do. So did you know, I don't, I don't know what you're facing in this year coming, but you can talk to him about everything. You're doing home renovations, or you're gonna move into retirement, or you're getting married, or whatever the plan is, and you want God's input, you just bring it to him and say, Jesus, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Guide me, show me. And I'm telling you, the more you center your life on Jesus, the more you put his truth in your heart, the wiser you will become. It just happens that way. And you'll also be a lot nicer to be around, just saying. And you'll sense his nudges and his just pokes. He's going to guide you in the ways that he has for you. He's gonna guide you in the plan for your life, guaranteed. It doesn't need to be this struggle and this tussle. God wants you walking in his plans. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you're familiar with him. If you ever get a chance to read any of his work, do it. He wrote a, an actually a Christmas devotional from a, a Nazi prison cell. And um, he was a theologian. He was believed to be part of a conspiracy to take down Hitler, and so he was arrested and jailed. And this, look, he writes this beautiful line about the incarnation plan, and I've been dwelling on it this whole month of December. Look what he says. That this child is born for us. This son is given to us. That this human child and son of God belongs to me. That I know him, have him, love him, and that I am his and he is mine. On this alone my life now depends. If anyone had the, 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 the authority to have a testimony to talk about trust and surrender when plans went belly up, Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. Because 
he was hanged by the Nazis like five or four or five days before the war ended. He never saw his family again after he went to jail. He never got to marry his fiance, he was engaged. This brilliant mind who, who loved Jesus and was doing so much good for the planet, his life is snuffed out. And, and when, I, when I read this, I'm like, God, where was the plan for him? And yet, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think if he could be here this morning, this humble servant would say, what mattered in life, what mattered in death, what mattered in a prison cell was, do you know Jesus and have you surrendered your life to him? That's the very best plan that you can ever say yes to. And so, as we conclude this morning, I don't know what your plans are for this new year, but I'm gonna encourage you this one thing. Dig in and get to know Jesus more. You know, as a church, we're going on a, a Jesus quest, as it were. We're doing the Jesus Project. We're gonna study the book of Luke for an entire year. So dig in with us. Be here all the time. Be part of a community group where, where you can unpack the weekend teaching even more. Like, dig in to know Jesus. Get that journal. If you didn't get one Christmas Eve, well, you can still go to the Resource Center and you can get one there, all right? You can buy one there. Do, just be a part of that project. That's gonna help you in your faith walk. Let me conclude with this. Paul, as only Paul can write, he gives this beautiful summary of the incarnation plan. Look what he writes. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Oh. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That, that's the heart of the incarnation plan. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. God designed, detailed, and executed this incredible salvation plan. And a day is coming, dear ones, when a giant period will be put on that incarnation plan and we will step into the eternal plan of God. Because you know, we're. We're not gonna be sitting around in eternity wearing choir gowns and playing a harp. God has plans for us. Have you given your life to Jesus? Will you be there? I hope so. And for all of us today, whether you're a planner or whether you're a procrastinator, Christmas plans will come to an end. We're gonna pack that tree and tinsel away and move into a new year. But I'm telling you this, for the one that puts out the hand and says, Jesus, take my hand. You lead me into this new year. You lead me into the plans that, I have for, that you have for me. That is what's going to make this the best year ever. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful that you said yes to your Father's plan. 
And in the depths of eternity, when you sat together and he shared with you the details of a plan that you would have to come to this earth and be our savior, you didn't balk, you willingly chose to come, to live here, to die, and to rise again. Thank you for bearing the penalty of our sins. And Lord, I'm praying that if there's even one who's just feeling that tug towards you, Jesus, oh, by your spirit, reveal your love, convict their hearts, help them to say yes to Jesus. And for all of us, Father, we've got plans, Lord. We've got some ideas what 2020 could look like. We want your stamp on our plans. We don't want to take a, 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 a millisecond into a new year without knowing the smile of your pleasure upon our lives, Father. And so we humble ourselves and say, Jesus, lead me into the plans that you have for me. Fulfill your purposes, dear God, in every life here, in every life listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.